11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, June 29th, 2023. I'm Andrew Hames, and this is Raven News. Talking about a record cruise visitor rebound is one thing. Experiencing it is another. Sitka recently had its first of two huge visitor days this summer, and the reaction, at least at the official level, was not great. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Sitka hosted over 9,700 visitors in one day on June 21st. That's roughly 1,400 more people than live in the community, based on the latest data from the U.S. Census Bureau. Sitkins understood that there would be days like this, visitors shoulder-to-shoulder along the roughly five blocks of Lincoln Street that were closed to vehicle traffic for the occasion. Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis owns a retail store in the heart of this area, At Tuesday's assembly meeting, he wondered aloud whether June 21st was a bonanza or a lesson in overcrowding. After the day had uh, slowed down a little bit, I took the liberty to walk up and down the street and talk to uh, some of the vendors to to see how that day went. Um, Not everybody was available. A lot of people were still really busy. Um, But the general consensus that I got was uh, if you had a storefront, um, you said it was too many people. If you had a food truck or you were out on the street like that, um, you generally liked it because you sold out early and you got to go home. Um, so, um, you know, the, the feeling even from from the merchants who standed to profit from that was that 10,000 people in one day was, was far too many. And I, I say that not because it was one or two, um, but it was everybody. Sitka Administrator John Leach said that he also had taken a walk downtown to visit with business owners and subsequently communicated his concerns to Sitka's representatives in the Cruise Lines International Association. Leach told the Assembly that it wasn't just Sitka's main street that was overcrowded. Trying to do work at City Hall, our bandwidth was gone, uh, and our our computers slowed to a crawl and our phones weren't working. So um, I know other communities have had these issues before. I know Juno had these issues when they had their cruise boom. Uh, And I, I reminded some of the folks that I talked to uh, in the cruise industry of some of the early discussions we had about overcommitment of Sitka resources uh, and, and where is that balance. So we're learning that right now. Off of Main Street, other organizations were also feeling the pinch. The Sitka Sound Science Center published a letter to the editor in the Daily Sentinel on June 23rd, two days after the big day, announcing that they were reducing hours and closing at 3 p.m., Center Director Lisa Bush says her organization values the interaction with visitors and the opportunity to educate people about science, salmon, and the ocean. But we are just realizing, you know, what our carrying capacity is for that, for our staff and for our building. We just can't take all the people that want to come all at once. Bush says closing earlier will give her staff a chance to prepare for the next day, as well as fulfill other functions at the center, which, in addition to its aquarium and salmon hatchery, is a year-round scientific research facility. The high volume of cruise passengers in Sitka on June 21st was caused by the simultaneous visits of the Ruby Princess, with just over 3,000 passengers, the Eurodam, with just over 2,000 passengers, and the Quantum of the Seas with 4,600 passengers. Those same three ships are scheduled to be in port again one more time on July 19th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Sitka's electric utility is hoping to attract federal infrastructure money to relocate a section of the city's main transmission line. 
The Sitka Assembly Tuesday night authorized the administration to apply for $3 million in grant funding from the U.S. Department of Energy for a Thimbleberry bypass project. While most of Sitka's hydropower is delivered in overhead lines along roadways, there is a section that takes a shortcut over the hill to Hart Lake, down to Thimbleberry Lake, where it rejoins Sawmill Creek Road. Utility Director Scott Elder says that shortcut has been on his mind. About a decade ago, there was a slide that took that portion or a piece of that portion out of commission. And since it's been looked at as, as one of the critical assets that we need to replace, repair, or rethink. What might look like the obvious solution, installing poles and wires alongside Samuel Creek Road in Silver Bay, was ruled out when the highway was rebuilt in 2014. Many residents objected to putting wires in the viewshed, and what little room there is beside the road is occupied by the city's water main. That main was damaged during highway construction, forcing Sitka onto reserves for several days. Elder said a consulting engineering firm put the Samuel Creek Road option at the bottom of the list. There are several different options uh, for the Thimbleberry Bypass, um, including rerouting it aerially away from slide zones, including going underground over the top and through the slide, slide zone portion. The most expensive case proposed by the engineering firm that we've spoke with would be going along the straight right of way, which is where we would love to go. But I think because of the cost there, and frankly, the dangers that we might have in damaging the water supply system to the town, make it look like the least friendly way of, of approaching. The U.S. Department of Energy is making $50 million available to communities of less than 10,000 people. Elder believed $3 million was a conservative ask for a project that was unglamorous. Assembly members were interested, however, especially since no local match is required, said Mayor Eisenbeis. I think we can definitely put some makeup on that story and make this one work for them. And finally, the Assembly on Tuesday approved the promotion of Ron Vinson from City Asset Manager to Public Works Director. Vinson has been serving as Interim Public Works Director since former Director Michael Harmon was reassigned as Municipal Engineer on May 1st. Vinson has an undergraduate degree in Civil Engineering and is currently pursuing a Professional Civil Engineering license. Administrator John Leach praised his work in Asset Management and called him an excellent candidate for Public Works Director saying he's brought a different approach to the way we're doing our capital projects. Vincent's salary as public works director will be $152,000 per year. Alaska's annual No Engines Allowed Boat Race wrapped up this week. The race to Alaska started in Washington at the beginning of the month, and 18 teams crossed the finish line in Ketchikan. KRBD's Reagan Miller caught up with the race boss for final impressions of the 2023 fleet. Even in a race... Even on paddle boards and kayaks or piloting pedal-powered boats in gusts and waves, the teams all forged a bond with each other. That's what race boss Jesse Weigel says really stuck out to him this year. It's a funny thing. They're all uh, generally individual, individual competitors on their own teams, but because they're sharing this experience, they're, they're teammates now, and it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing to see. Teams pushed through some harsh weather. Many vessels had to hunker down and wait it out. Weagle says it's a big part of what bonded the teams. There was this three-day weather window where everyone had to hunker down in Johnstone Strait. And yet, they all got right back on the horse and just steamed their way up here as fast as they could. 29 teams set out from Victoria, British Columbia, the start of the main part of the race to Alaska, and 18 made it to Ketchikan. The initial 40-mile leg from Port Townsend, Washington, serves as a proving ground. It's the 700-odd miles to Ketchikan that really tests those who remain. They pretty much all came out because of, of uh, 
boat damage uh, or or the fear of boat damage. Team Zenigan Dog, a one-person team homeported in the United Kingdom, was the first to tap out of the race. A wave washed over the kayak, and racer Robert McCall hurt his arm. Another one-man team, Suppin Irish, aggravated a shoulder injury. But there's just something about the race that keeps adrenaline seekers coming back for another shot, at $10,000 if they're first, and even better, steak knives if they're second. Um, team Mojo, they told me that they just didn't have quite the right mentality going into it, and they're going to return uh, with a better idea of what they're getting themselves into. The first place finisher was We Break for Wales, an eight-person sailing team on a Lyman Morse 40. Second place went to Team Budgie Smugglers, five people in a catamaran. In Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. Skagway's railroad workers are voting on whether to authorize a strike. The workers' union says it's seeking wages that keep up with inflation, affordable health care, and no job cuts. As KTOO's Katie Anastas reports, the dispute is playing out in the middle of a busy post-pandemic tourist season. Engineers, conductors, and brakemen on the Alaska side are hoping to reach an agreement with White Pass that boosts wages and avoids job cuts. And this week, they're voting whether to go on strike if needed. Skagway Mayor Andrew Cremata says a strike could cause major disruptions for the cruise industry. More than half of the passengers that come through Skagway ride the train. And, you know, Skagway's history is uh, linked with the railroad. So, you know, losing operations on the railroad would definitely have a significant impact. Jason Geiler chairs the union that represents the workers. He says he's worried about permanent cuts to brakeman positions. Brakemen are one of the three workers on the train at all times. Having three people on board a train is critical when you're carrying, you know, 600 plus guests on board every single one of these trains that travel up and down the mountain on a daily basis. Even if the union votes to authorize a strike, it wouldn't happen right away. There are still several steps in the negotiating process that would have to happen first. The union's previous contract ended in 2017, and wages and health care costs are other key issues for the union as it negotiates a new one. Geiler couldn't share specifics on the wage increases proposed by both parties, but he says the union recognizes the company's lost profit during COVID. He says the union is strictly looking to increase wages to keep up with inflation. Mayor Cremata says that's important for Skagway residents. It's expensive to live here. Uh, the pandemic in the last couple of years I've seen prices at the grocery store double, if not more. So it concerns me to think that, you know, people who live in this community may not be able to afford to live in this community anymore. White Pass is owned by an investment group that includes the Carnival Corporation and Ketchikan-based Survey Point Holdings. Executive Director Tyler Rose says he can't comment on ongoing negotiations. In Juneau, I'm Katie Anastas. I'm Andrew Hames, and this has been Raven News.